Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the moments we have had the privilege to share. And even a few hours for this morning, I pray. The Bible says that your mercies are new every morning. I pray you will speak to us. You have mercy on us. You help us. I know we are living here with something deposited in our spirit to be skilled and to be experts in and at ministry. Thank you for being with us and staying with us with your presence in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. amen. You may be seated, please. Wow, the final day. God bless you. So it's been a, a great time. It, it's, the Apostle Paul spoke about something in First Timothy. And um, maybe before we take off. Let's see. Um, look at that scripture. We're trying to hit the engine and and do something. Who's that? It's Winchester. Okay. Are you here? I told you you're not here. You're here. All right. No parcel was delivered, so I was just wondering. <laughs> Monday. Okay. <laughs> All right. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 and um, the 8th verse, the 8th verse of First Timothy chapter 4. If you have the New Living Translation, let, let, we, uh, let me read the King James and then we go to the New Living Translation. The Bible says that for bodily exercise profiteth little bodily exercise profiteth little the bible talks about exercise it's good to exercise the only thing about it is that die die i can see you <laughs> the only thing about it is that the profit of bodily exercise if you want to look at it from the spiritual point of view is little what you get from exercising your muscles and Exit, you know, going on the seawall and walking and uh, it's good. But in the perspective of sp spiritual things, it, it profited little. Because, I mean, if you're in good shape, you can preach. Because you also be preaching every day, every day, hours, hours. If, if you don't have stamina, it, it's not by actually might and power, it's by the spirit. Uh, that's why you can't shout. Because by now I would have lost my voice if I was shouting. First day, you see that. Why are you shouting so much? <laughs> when you are going long distance running, you don't go fast. Take your time. Let those who are running fast, let them go. You see how they, they, they will stop very soon. <laughs> but he says, but godliness, godliness is profitable unto all things. So, so you see that from this scripture, if you don't understand it, you, 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 the secret in this verse is that the apostle or the Bible is comparing two types of exercises. Are you with me? Two types of exercises. That is the physical one and then the spiritual one. It is a spiritual one that the, the Bible calls godliness. The New Living Translation says that. Physical training is good. 
but training for godliness is much better is it a little clear now for training training for what for physical training is good but training for godliness is much better is much better training for godliness is much better training for godliness is much better and you realize that these kind of sessions and meetings is training for godliness you see how people can't make it <laughs> when i see when i see pastor sub driving into the compound i say hey people don't have stamina at all spiritual training for godliness sitting down from morning to evening morning to evening morning to evening it is called training for godliness <laughs> which many people i'm telling you when you go back my dear pastor from Morella, try with your church you see how people don't have people don't have stamina at all they'll tell you the, 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 the service long <laughs> it's long now that is why even in a household or in a family it's not just everyday cooking one meal you, 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 you vary it sometimes you even buy food from outside sometimes it's light meals sometimes it's heavy meals when it comes to Christmas and these seasons you cook, you cook out, you cook, you know, extensively. It, 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 it comes in variations. In the supernatural, on the spirit realm, in the church world, it is the same thing. There is this Sunday morning, one, two-hour service that you go. There is prayer meeting that is about eight hours. That is also there. There is revival meetings or conventions that you come every evening for about four or five hours preaching, you know, praying in oil and all of And then there's this, what we call camp meeting setup, where you sit from the morning to the evening. It is called training for godliness. If you want to be like God, you have to train to be like God. And if you want to train to be like God, you have to be leaving things aside and come into his presence for longer times. Bible says Moses went into the mountain. When he came back, people couldn't look at his face. It tells you that there's all benefit in staying in the presence of the Lord for a long time. And so you should, you should practice it. Practice it. Recently, I had to rebuke some of my uh, uh, um, leaders about letting people leave the church early. It's when people come to church when church is over, then they, they, they take the people away. I said, no, you can't do that. If I was, once upon a time, when I was directly involved with almost everything, I mean, not directly, but involved in everything. I'm also involved in almost everything, but not directly. <laughs> I mean, you, it was very wrong to come to church and after church, I see you going. Oh, I'll call you. I'll call you. If I miss you, I'll call you after church. I said, don't do that again. You don't come to church and then after church you are leaving. No, 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 no. There's something about lingering, hanging around, liming around church, that does something extra to you to cause you to be established. People who leave 
church right after the service, they don't stay, they don't become established in the church. For those of you who know cooking, if you are going to buy your wok, <laughs> ah, when you cut up the chicken, you season it and you put it in the pan, you, you fry it right away. No, the seasoning has to go inside. And sometimes you, you can make the, you can uh, differentiate between those who have actually seasoned the meat well and those who didn't season the meat well. People think that we are, we don't know. When you bite it and you, you just, uh, it's just like, ah, this is raw chicken. <laughs> yeah. But if you take your time and do the meat well, you see that when you bite it, mm, 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 yeah, yeah. You, you can you can you can eat the meat and chew the bones and you can even swallow the bones that you have chewed if you don't take care. <laughs> it is a difference maker, and so is training for godliness. When people come to church and they hang around and they tarry and they mingle and they laugh, and every leader and pastor should enforce that. You see, people are. We, we Bible says we are all like sheep. So people are sheep. And if you know and you study sheep, sheep don't do things. You have to make sheep do things. That's, that's another art of leadership that we can't go in. There are too many things to talk about in this uh, two, two and a half day camp meeting. But a pastor, a leader must ensure that people don't leave. You get it? So, so some of the things you can do is you make sure that the people who leave early when you are preaching just say, hey, sister, brother please after church wait for me I, I, I have something to discuss with you that's all and then after church make sure that you don't see them immediately say, oh, no, no, hold on, I'm coming don't go man, hold on man I, I, it's, it's, it's very important you know so you just, just hang on before you realize they are leaving, they are leaving the church around 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock <laughs> so we 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 bus people to church and i told the people who bring people by buses that the bus cannot come back until three o'clock we start church at nine we close at 11 30 12 the bus should come at three o'clock just make sure that people have something to munch on something to drink and then sit them down and ask them what did you learn you'll be surprised that all of them didn't learn anything. So you have to now put the seasoning into the chicken properly before they leave. You'd be surprised how many people don't understand the preaching. <laughs> so what we're doing is very important. It is called training for godliness. And when you go, to, when you go home, you should try it with your church members. You'll be amazed. The first time we had a camp in our church, we went to somewhere on Susdijk. Come and see. People take bathing suits. People bring a um, uh, uh, domino. Because they, 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 in their mind, they, they are used to church camp like, you know, it's exciting. Uh -huh, camp, we're going to play. Uh, some people ask, is there a creek? Is there a creek around? Us? I say, oh, no, no problem. Don't worry. You'll swim every day. 
people had to take their bathing suit back without going into no water because we, we camp meetings are trainings for godliness if you want to have fun day we won't go we will we'll, we'll be around here we'll go to national park jubilee park and have nice fun day but when we are having camp meeting it is training for godliness when we are having a, a conference it is training for godliness yeah you have to differentiate between the two yeah? and and you have to take your children you have to take the church through all these types of things visiting minister you yourself all kinds of you you have to take it is it is training before the man of god becomes thoroughly finished unto all good works amen so you are welcome to the final day i'm just saying it because you see that people come in at 10 o'clock because the the training they, they enable their muscles they got they got cramps spiritual cramps from last night <laughs> They can't get up or wake up and come early. <laughs> Hallelujah. This morning, we've talked about quite a number of things, isn't it? We spoke about um, we spoke about real ministry, isn't it? Real ministry and pseudo-ministry. We're saying that we have to be engaged. If last night you know, after everybody left, and all, we're still gaffing around. And, um, and it's those, those things that make people become more stable. Amen. Amen. The English have a proverb. They say, he who laughs last, laughs best. Sometimes, it's important to just hang around till the last person leaves. Sometimes. Your availability is very important. I'm not a poet. Otherwise, I would have said your availability uh, uh, determines your, 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 uh, uh, what? Something. I'm, I, I, I am not a poet. I would have probably said that. And I'm sure you have said, wow. <laughs> there, are people, there are people who are like that. They pick the word and then they, they move on. Like, like yesterday, I was, I was, um, we're, we're having fun, we're joking. And then um, um, I was asking Pastor Calvin, I was, I, was, I was asking him to give us scenes, scenes of some things. And when I mentioned a couple, that he'll, 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 he'll come up with something. I mean, it was so nice how he, he would just come up with something. You mentioned this couple, what do you think? And he would say something. But it's so gifted, the guy is gifted. <laughs> if you ask me, I won't be able to say anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, real ministry, your availability is very important. That is why in discipleship making, when Jesus um, was making disciples, they had to leave everything and just be around him. That is what determined how far they went in ministry. You know how, in fact, in our church, we call it non-agendaric availability. Non-agendaric availability. It means you are around without, uh, I want to cook, you know, I, I, I cut up chicken, I want, no, no, no. You are around without any agenda to go anywhere and do anything. Those are the people who go deeper. Don't you believe that? 
is the Lord who's putting rain on what, what has happened here today. All these three days, he's, he's, the dew of heaven is coming upon it. God is blessing what has happened here. I believe it. It's been hot all the time. It's a blessing. You know, so it's important to hang around and practice some of all these things that make people solid. It's like meat and, and all the seasoning that goes with it. But um, this morning, I, I want to just touch on two main uh, um, things. Um, and then we'll be done. The messages will be available after, so you can request for it, all the preachings that took place here. Once you are interested, we'll send the links to you. Whether you're interested or not, we'll send it to you. <laughs> so you go home and then you can listen to the messages. Amen. Exodus chapter 23. Wow. Verse 14, Exodus chapter 23, and the 14th verse. New Living Translation, please. Now, the art of ministry, the art of ministry, which we, we have defined as what? Um, a skill, isn't it? Acquired by experience, by um, observation, or by study. Paul said, by the, the grace, God gave me a grace to be a wise master builder. So, so you, you realize that the grace was not acquired in school. It was given. <laughs> it's a grace. It was given. He, was, he gave me grace. That's why, of all the things that we are talking about, you, you, the, you should pray for the grace. You should pray for the grace. And we're going to end with some prayer. You should pray for the grace. The grace to, to be in real ministry. That's what I'm saying. The offerings that you are even giving, you have to give it with, with, with intention. Because it is all of those things that work together for your good. You need the information. You need the teaching. But at the end of it, it is a supernatural thing. So the Bible says in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 14, he says, each year you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. <laughs> Easter, Christmas, and what? It's finished. Do you, do you know that we Christians don't even celebrate anything apart from, as for Christmas, Everybody, whether you're a Christian or not, you celebrate. Sean, are you there? <laughs> As for Easter, whether you are a Christian or not, people celebrate. So, celebrating these two festivals in the year, it's not really unique. In my days in Europe, I was surprised. David, did you drink XL? Liz didn't give you XL. Oh, Liz, where is Liz? Ah, this man let a man drink his XL, man. <laughs> I hope he's not taking it and shining it somewhere. 
Hallelujah. I was surprised to know in Europe and to experience in Europe, continental Europe, that Ascension Day is always a holiday. 40 days after the resurrection day is when Jesus ascended. The Europeans, uh, uh, Dutch, Germans, uh, Italians, Belgians, it's a holiday. They celebrate the day Jesus went to heaven. We don't have that here. We have a sort of powder throwing at people's faces. We have watching moon and don't even know which day is the holiday. And then when Maduro is coming to take a secret they are calling us, go and call the people who put powder on your face. Don't call me. They celebrate Pentecost. 50 days after the resurrection, they celebrate Pentecost. It is called, uh, the Dutch call it Pinkster. Pinksterdag. It's a holiday. The day the Spirit of God came down, it's a holiday in Europe. But they are not, they are not Christians any longer. And so, if the country is a Christian country, these things are celebrated. So God, God just, that's, why, that's why the church should bring back traditions in line with the church. So, for example, in our church, you should, we should have like a convention. We should have camps and then maybe something. Conference. So, so that there is a dedication to God in honor at least three times a year there's something you do in honor of God because the country will not give you that that's why on the first day I said that when people want to go into government and these places want to make a difference it's a joke because if we really want to make a difference we should tell the president that the only uh, holiday we want here is Christian holiday you think we'll win that, that fight is that fight a fight you can win no, 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 no. Any wise man who is going to war should analyze which, which, which battle you can win and which one you cannot win. The battle to change all the holidays in Guyana to Christian holidays will never happen. So I, I will not go there because when I said to the, pres- the president, this scripture will be hitting my head. I, I said, I can't be with him. Each year, you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. So it is important to have celebrations. You have conventions. You have camps. You have conferences. At least three major events in your church for the year. Three major, at least. You see that people have branches and they just sit down and wait for somebody to decide something for them. Eric, are you listening? They are waiting for the bishop to decide a program for them. That's the, you, should, you should follow the law. The law is right there. Each year, three times, three times, you must have festivals, exciting times with food, with singing, with dancing, with excitement, three times a year. So they have the Passover. It was one of the major things. They celebrate uh, uh, the Passover. It was very important to celebrate the day God delivered you out of bondage. Then he goes on in verse 2. 
15, verse 15. He says that first, I have to go into my Bible because the thing's fine now. First, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast, just as I commanded you. Celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in early spring, in the month of Abib. For that is the anniversary of your departure. Um, departure from Egypt. No one may appear before me without an offering. The art of music is also to master the art of offerings and tithes, money. If you are going to be very skilled in ministry, you have to master the art of having a control and command over money in the church. <laughs> you are quiet. The world runs and drives and operates with money. If the church is going to operate in this atmosphere, on this planet, the church needs money. And when it comes to money, you see people have a lot of ideas. I know a pastor, I know some pastors who say they are full-time pastors and they have chicken business. They say they are full-time pastors and they bake bread and sell. You are not a full-time pastor. Yeah. You don't understand full-time ministry. So when it comes to money in the church, one of the errors is that money, business, the church should be engaged in business for money. There are some people who do that. So you see that, oh, people come in and say, oh, why don't you plant something at the back there? It, it will contribute to the financial life of the church. Do, do you know what it takes to have a farm? <laughs> will you come here every day and come and weed and make sure that uh, I, I, if, you see the, if you see the plants around, I came to plant all the flowers around myself. Because I have this thing in my, in my memory of the Catholic priest, the monk, waking up in the morning and in the sanctuary, he has his, 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 his water trough or something and with his cassock, goes around watering the plants <laughs> around the, the, the church. So I buy the plants myself. And then I come and I, I juke them in the, in the earth. Several times when I come, water has not been given to the plants. So I tell my people, I say, you know what? The plants, they are like church members. If you look after them, they'll make the place look nice. They'll grow. If you don't look after them, you see the place will look ugly. And the fact that you can't give plants water morning and evening means that you don't have a heart to care for things. I heard uh, growing up, the Archbishop Benzini Dahosa, his Bible school in Nigeria. If you go to the Bible school, 
you will have to have a farm. You cannot enroll in the school without having a piece of land that you are farming on. It's a must. So as you are going to the classroom for lectures, you are also putting down tomato seeds. What comes out of your piece of land he has given to you shows how good you can become as a pastor. Because it is tending. James chapter 5 verse 7 says something. He says that, Be patient therefore brethren unto the coming of the Lord. And behold the farmer. Behold the husbandman. There are a few things, there are a few behold in the Bible. Behold the ant. Behold the husbandman. The Bible says he he, what? Behold the husbandman. He waited for the precious fruit of the earth. He waited. He waits for the church to grow. Because church growth is not a remote. You press it. Bam! Hey, I would have pressed it many, many years ago. Every day I'll press it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Hey, 2022, 2023 in this place, I felt like there was a demon sitting on our church growth. I felt like my pastors had become demons in the church. They won't do anything I, I tell them to do. To the point that one night we were having a meeting and God showed up. The whole atmosphere changed. And there were prophecies. And God spoke about his anger towards them for not listening to me and obeying what I'm telling them. <laughs> yeah, one of you is a devil. There's always somebody close that the devil wants to use against you. He waits for the he waits, waited for the precious fruit of the earth, and he has long patience for it. That's why we promote that you want to be a pastor, start early. Because for your church to grow and become a certain size, you need to start the project early. <laughs> you have to start the project early in your younger days, in your 20s, ready at 20. Because if it's going to take 30 years for you to have a big ministry, by the time you get there, you are 50, 55. Ministry of Education, you are going on pension. <laughs> so when you start ministry at 40 years old, you've actually done yourself a lot of harm. Because church growth, fruitfulness, it takes a long time to experience fruitfulness. So when somebody left our church in the early days, I think the first person who left... Uh, 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 Bishop Daggerwood Mills, he told him, he told, the, the, the person told Bishop Daggerwood Mills that he will show him church growth in six months. Up to today, we've not seen the church growth. <laughs> because church growth does not happen in six months. So you need to have what the farmer has. The farmer is hopeful, but he has patience. He knows that this seed that is in the ground even though you walk around, you don't see it. Two months later, I'll be picking something. Two months later, I'll see some little green things on this plant. Three months later, I'll see ripe tomatoes. I'll pluck them. I'll pick them. I'll take it to Starbrook Market. I'll sell. I'll get money. He knows that seeds are being planted. And it's just a matter of time. He's hopeful. God says, we go back to Exodus 23. He says, nobody should appear before me without an offering. It's right there. Can you, can you highlight it? Without an offering. 
How many of us come to church without offering? Most of you come to church, you don't come with offering. When the offering bag is passing around, you are praying. So you will miss the offering bag. That is why many pastors and many church leaders resort to business to bring money to the church. Leading is not a simple thing. If you have the grace and if you learn it, you are quiet. You'll be able to generate money from the church. Am I, am I saying something? This our project is very big. The money, the money we get is not even enough for the project. And we are building. We have so many things to do. <laughs> but we are not doing any business. There's no business. I wish we had some business. Maybe we should, we should uh, buy some uh, shares in ExxonMobil or something. But even that, if you buy shares, you don't get money next month though. <laughs> we have to come to terms with the fact that God has established a way that money should be generated in the church. In the world, in government, there are established ways. We have revenues that come in through duty, customs duty, excise, value added tax. There are, there are ways the government brings money into government to use it for whatever the country has need for. The church, the government, that's why when they started the uh, 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 Marriott Hotel, there was a whole brouhaha around it. You know, it's the government that built a Marriott Hotel. A government can't go into hotel business. Hotel business is privatized. It's private. oh, the chain, Marriott Hotel chain must have interest in Guyana and come and invest here by building a Marriott Hotel. The, 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 the government, in those days, it was President Jack Dew. He's the one who took... Oh, uh, 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 Guyana money and build a hotel. <laughs> that is very strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a whole something about it. APNU and this opposition, they fought it, they fought it. In fact, when they finished the, uh, the hotel and they were commissioning the, the opposition, they didn't go. Because a government cannot take the state's money. And then, so it, it, who owns the hotel? Who is going to go and do the accounting? Minister of Finance is going to sit down with the hotel managers. No, no it, it's gone off. In the same way, we have to be careful how we generate money in the church. God made it clear. He says, do not appear before me without an offering. I hope you have an offering this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. We go to Exodus chapter 25. So I'm talking a bit about money, which is also part of the art of ministry. We need to have control over that. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their secret offerings. 
accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. King James says, The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. They bring me an offering. Offering is something God always demanded. You can't just deal with God without an offering. It's even trickled down to a man of God that, that sometimes, or in some cases, or in some circles, if you're going to see a man of God, you, you take an offering as well. Offering is part. We are not saying give money. We are saying give is offering. I don't, I don't know how you want to see it. You see, the, <laughs> I said yesterday, I think the day before that, the things that are, the world don't, don't re- regard, that's what the church does. And the things that they regard, the church doesn't do it. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody demonstrates against uh, um, customs duty. And we all know that if you bring in a vehicle from, from Japan that a Japanese man has used for five years, it's very expensive. You buy the car for a thousand US dollars. When you come here, you have to pay duty of, of, of two million. That's ten thousand US dollars. Three times. Have you seen the country go out there and say, Choboy, Choboy, no more duty, Choboy? You will not even get anybody to do that. We don't fight about those things that the government has imposed. But when it comes to money in the church, people have all kinds of things to say about money. But money is part of the church work. God says, offering. Let them bring offering. They, they, that they bring me an offering. Bring me and say, oh, the money is for the pastor. Did you see the pastor's name here? They bring me an offering. That is how money is generated in the church. In fact, if GRA finds out that you're a businessman, you're not paying tax, they, 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 will, they will. So what do you think if God finds out that you don't give offerings? Think about that. Think about that. He'll close the heavens over your life. <laughs> May that not be your story in the name of Jesus. Another verse I want us to look at. Chapter 20, uh, chapter 20, um, oh, if we go down there, let, let's, let's do the verse uh, after that and see. He said, and this is the offering which you shall take of them. I think it's interesting. This is the offering which you shall take of them. It means two things. Take of them. It's either they bring it and you take, or you, you tell them to give. Am I, am I making sense? Sean, are you there? Is it working? <laughs> Today is no VIP, so don't worry. <laughs> I think VIP ends this morning. <laughs> With a hug up and a kiss up. <laughs> He says that, and this is the offering which you shall take of them. And I'm saying that it's both a noun and a verb. They take. So they bring it, and then you receive it. Or, you take it from them. Are you following? So, 
You bring it and I receive it. It's take. But I can also take it. Yeah. So I can ask you to give a thousand dollars. I'm not wrong. I can ask you to give five thousand dollars. It's not wrong because you shall take. You shall take. You shall take. You shall take. And so every pastor must take offerings. Must take offerings. There is no meeting that you have that you shouldn't take offering. In our church, you best if you do any meeting, whether it's under the tree or in the water or under the sea, you must take offering. You see, because even if you look at it in terms of um, earthly value, if you are meeting in a hall, You are, you are, you are, I'm sure there's a light on. Some people even like fans. Yeah. It's not very easy to have a fan here. My first church, I put fans in the ceiling. Because I realized that the fan, when you take pictures, it looks like you're in the living room, you're in the house. So I, I tried to do away with fans. Then, uh, one day somebody bought us this big fan. When you turn it on, you can't hear the preaching. <laughs> the people are enjoying the breeze, but I, 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 the people can't hear me. <laughs> so we prefer to sweat and fan ourselves, and then after two hours, we are out there. Amen. <laughs> I'm sure where you are meeting, there's light. There's fun. There's a mic, there's an amplifier, speaker on. It is called utility bill, electricity bill. The meter is running. How can you be so irresponsible as a leader, as a man of God, and then you don't take offering to pay light bill that was used that day? You, you think about it in an earthly sense. And, and, and if you're a pastor like that, I, I, can, I can close my eyes and predict that in your house, when you wake up, you don't turn off your light. You are not like that at all in your house. your house, you turn off lights. Yeah. You turn on the, off the light. Off the light. And then in the church, the lights are on and you don't care how the bill is being paid. Now, it was Bishop Oedipo I heard make this statement. He said that uh, most prayer warriors are poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the poor, poorest people in the church are prayer warriors, intercessors. You should check and see. They pray. You see, the shoe, the mouth is open. The shoe one water. <laughs> it's a caiman. <laughs> it's an alligator. Why am I saying this? These are people who spiritualize money. The error, when, uh, the error that many people make in, in finance in the church is that they spiritualize it. They think that money just drops from heaven. 
I'll pray and money will come. See, give us the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'll pray and money will come. I'll pray. No, no, no. Money is made. We make money. It has been the error of many people in our church, including my pastors. They think that as they are doing home sale, bus center, bus sale, AOFM, doing branches, then God is going to put money in their bank account. There's nothing like that. So, I saw Pastor Kenrick, who is just here for a few months to finish his college CPC education. He, he, he's an estate agent already. Two-bedroom apartment to rent, East Bank. Hot and cold, air-conditioned, gated. 90000 He just came the other day. He just came from Letham the other day. He's advertising apartments for, for, for rent. That's how you do it. You make money. That's how it is done. He doesn't come here and say, oh, I'm a man of God. Money will come. Money will come from where? Where? Venetia, where will the money come from? You should see Oren. Pastor Oren. If you see his status. Ah, cream. Kayak. Ah, the people they know the thing. Kayak. Cream. A perfume. Cologne. Fort. He's even a, 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 a short drop driver as well, a taxi driver also. You make money. Nobody will give you any money in the church. It's rather here when you come, we take the money from you. <laughs> the Bible says, you shall take of them. You shall take. And this is the offering which you shall take of them. Take. So, we use the phrase, we are, it's, we are, it's time to take an offering. And when you are taking something, it's not always the case that the person will want to give it. <laughs> you, think, you think when you give to the church, you, 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 you're prepared to give $5,000? It's one of the last things on your mind. You came to be blessed, but not to give $5,000. So, it is my duty as the leader, if I, I, I have the skill of a ministry to take the money from you. <laughs> to take the money from you. To take the money from you. That is why in our church, if you're a bishop and you don't have money to buy a plane ticket to come for a meeting, you are not a bishop. You are not respected because you, you don't have the art of ministry to take money from people. And I'm, I'm not talking about scampo. You have to renew your mind. When Kenrick is renting apartments, he's not a scampish man. So if I'm also using the, the word of God and I'm taking money, I'm not scampish. I'm using the word of God. The Bible says, you shall take offering. That is why sometimes it's not even good to just pass the bag around. When you pass the bag around, people bow their head. Sometimes it is good to come forward. The pastor looks at people who are not coming forward. Watch them. When you pass the offering bag, a lot of people don't put anything in the offering bag. But when you tell them to come forward, it's also a skill. You can watch who is coming and who's not coming. As for getting up, when you don't get up, we'll see that you didn't get up. 
<laughs> it's a skill. Why do you think that footballers, when they are going to play football, the first thing they do is that they go around? If you are training, you can't do so, you are not playing the next match. You have to go and see a doctor and find out why you can't lift your foot above a certain height. And this is the offering which you shall take of them. The first is Granger. <laughs> Gold. The most, if you want to, if you want to, the most expensive metal. We had last night about diamond cutting. Have you ever met anybody who cuts diamond? Wow. God says gold. Gold is 5,000. Gold is 10,000. Gold is 20,000. As a pastor, as a satellite church leader, as a a, a cell leader, you should be able to stand in front of your congregation and take $5,000 from them. It is called the art. It's not scampishness. Scampishness is done in the world, not in the church. There are no crooks in the church. And it is that mindset that doesn't make leaders take offering because you feel bad. And I used to feel bad. Yeah. I used to feel bad when people give me envelope. I feel, I, 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 I feel ashamed. Oh, I have overcome that shame. I'm looking forward for envelopes all the time. <laughs> Don't muzzle the ox that treaded the corn. I hope you understand that scripture. The ox who uses his mouth to beat the, the, the corn, to re- release the, 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 you call the kernel out of the husk, out of the, 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 the how do you call it? Whatever. When it's dry. And so, when he's doing that, normally the Jews just like they do to the horse when he's pulling a cart, they cover its mouth so that he can focus on the corner and break it out of the, the comb. You know? And so God said, you can't cover the ox's mouth. Some small corn that he will eat. Some small corn that he will eat from all the corn that he's trying to uh, help you get. You are covering his mouth. He said, no, don't do that. Don't muzzle the ox whilst he treadeth the corn. The small offering envelope you give me, you don't want to give me the envelope. <laughs> he says, you take gold. You take silver. Many people are surprised when you ask people to give an offering in a higher amount. You see, hey, one day, I said, give an offering of $5,000. There was a man sitting in the congregation. He shouted, Jesus! <laughs> it's like somebody's going to die. <laughs> it's like when I give the $5,000, I will die. <laughs> yeah? 
And I had it in babies when I, when I was there this last time. When I measured 5,000, some young boys said, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because money is not associated with a church. People spiritualize money. But that is an error. To spiritualize money is to become poor. To spiritualize money is to become poor. Because money is not spirit. Money is made. Are you with me? Money is made. And you can take example from my boys. Even Reverend Calvin. The last time I, I was talking to him uh, in the week. And I said, Where, where's your location? He said, he's at the immigration office. I said, what are you doing there? He said, oh, he's trying to help some people get through with something. something. I said, hey, you, you do everything in this world. <laughs> that, that's how he lives. That's how he lives. There's a seat in front, you know. Pastor Floyd can, yeah. Why, you don't know Pastor Floyd? Hey, brother, you read the whole compound, you know. Yes, that's, that's Pastor Floyd Morris from uh, 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 Transforming Lives Ministry in good intent. If you know good intent. We used to fish from good intent a lot. Who has a, 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 a Pastor in good intent? Okay, Kalisha is there. Casey is there. Yeah, you, I'm sure you meet Pastor, Pastor Floyd's members. Don't take them and bring them here. Tell them to go to their church. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so, you have to understand the levels. He said gold, silver. Gold, silver. And then what? Brass. So, a pastor must not spiritualize money. Money is not a spirit. Tell your neighbor, money is not a spirit. <laughs> Demons are spirits, not money. <laughs> yeah, money is made. Yeah, yeah. You see, if I was a motivate, motivational speaker from America and I came, you write it down. Money is made. The way you're repeating it, it looks like the thing has touched you. But because I'm not from America, you are not writing it down. You are not putting on your status. I'm your local pastor, so you know, uh, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Money is made. Money is not a spirit. You cast spirits. You speak to spirits. But money, you work for money. Yeah. And that is an error that some of our guys, they made. They thought that in the church, you don't have to work for money. That's why now that they are not around, they are working for it. When they were in the church, they were lazy, thinking that as I preach and as I teach, money comes from heaven. There's a book that is titled, Money Come to Me. Now. Yeah. No, money is made. So a pastor must learn, please, to take offerings. That's why the Lord showed me when I brought the Pope here from the Vatican. He showed me that I am playing with offering in this church. The man said, I need 20 people to give me 800 US dollars. 20 people were in front right away. So I counted 800 by 20. In my own church. He himself gave us a thousand US dollars. He said he's sowing into our church because he doesn't have a building. He wants a building. 
So he gave us 200,000 Guyanese dollars. He, after church, he just took, bring, brought the, the leaves from his pocket. I was even, I was even uh, feeling shy. He counted it right there. He said, Bishop, what I said, this is it. I'm planting a seed in this church. He said, I like this thing here. I don't have a church building. I want one. And three months later, he called me. He said, Bishop, I can't hide this thing from you. Somebody abroad has given their building to us to just take it. It has blessed us with a building. I said, wow. It works. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a good man. Yeah. He's a good man. 800 US dollars by 20. That was the first call he made. I was sitting there right here and I was watching. See, one, two, three, four. I saw some people say, hey, you have 800 US dollars. <laughs> and I'm here saying, okay, it's time for offering. Please pass the bag around. Then you pass the bag around, you put in 20. You see, those churches who have offering baskets that are open, as a man of God, when they bring you to the front, please stand and look inside. Jesus did that in the temple. You see, sheer twenty dollar. The bill that has the Saint George's uh, uh, Cathedral on it. <laughs> That's a one hundred blue one. There you have one thousand. You will hardly see five thousand dollars being given freely as an offering. That's what the Bible says. You shall take of them. It is the take is both a noun and a verb. Take in terms of receiving and take in terms of taking it, almost like snatching it from them because you did not come here this morning to give $10,000. So I as a pastor, as the leader, must take the $10,000 from your pocket. Sometimes it should even be a $10,000 you are going to pay your bill with. But because of the of ministry, I should be able under inspiration to remove that $10,000 for your light bill from your pocket. And then God will do something for you. It's not for you to lose, but it, 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 it proves God and God shows up in your life. So we are talking about money. Money is also an area you need to be skilled in. Please don't, don't think that you know, the people don't have money. People always say, people, the gospel is always preached to the poor, but they must give an offering. Because the Bible says there's more blessing in giving than in receiving. What we do is that we are, we are very sorry for our church members. And you realize that there are bills to pay. There are things to do. If you are going to buy a church building right now, a land right now, how are you going to get money? You and your wife have, have to go to Republic Bank and take a loan in your, you and your wife's name. Are you the church? One day a pastor told me, oh, look, we bought this, I'm building over here. We bought, my, me and my wife, we, we bought the, the, the land for the church. I said, well, I don't have money to buy land for the church. God, God's kingdom is too bigger than me. <laughs> the church is richer, the church will be richer than the pastor. The pastor can't be richer than the church. The, the, something is not straight. Apostle Timothy said, it must be in alignment, isn't it? It's out of alignment. If you, the pastor, you are richer than the church. That our church is far richer than me. Because it's God's kingdom. 
It's God's church. How can I be richer than the church? Then you see that. He said, me and my wife, we bought the land. Now, that, that, it, it could be so. But if you, have been, if, if you have been in ministry for years, and that pastor has been in ministry for years, and you and your wife still are able to buy a land for the church, to build a church on it, the church people can't, you can't manage church money to buy a land with it. You don't have the art of ministry. You don't have the art of ministry. In many places, people even bless people with land. How come you and your wife are going to buy a land? How many millions of Guyanese dollars? God gives lands to people. It's an art. <laughs> Hallelujah. Gold. So understand that there is nothing wrong in taking offerings as a pastor. Because you read it, Exodus 20, uh, uh, what, 23 and verse 15, he says that nobody should appear before me empty-handed without an offering. No one may appear before me without an offering. And I hope you have an offering when you came here. You see, when you are going to see a dentist, if you make an appointment to go and see a dentist, you can't go without money. You have to pay. Even if you are going to clean your teeth, then you can clean in the house with soap and, and, and soap powder and water. <laughs> you, are, you can't say, oh, dentist, I didn't know that when you clean my teeth, you, you take money. It is that same seriousness and attitude church people must have when you are coming to church. You must bring money to give to God. And every person must make sure that People give offerings high, medium, low. The Pope taught me 800 by 20 is 60,000 US dollars. You, you, can, you can know how much money he raised for me when he came here. 16,000 US dollars. How many churches even end that in a year? <laughs> And then you are criticizing the man. In his pocket was greens. He took them <laughs> right here. <laughs> I said, I said to myself, I, I don't handle money. You know, I have people in the church who handle money. <laughs> I said, Bishop, this is two, the money I promised you, 200,000. I said, please, call, 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 call. I, do, I don't handle money. Call somebody to come and take the money in. 16,000 US dollars. I'll, I'll, I'll not keep it a secret. I just want you to understand what I'm saying. You take offerings. You just don't receive. You take. Sometimes you receive, but sometimes you must take. Because people have money and the devil says, don't give it. So you have to overcome the demons that are talking to God's people. To release the money. Because that is how the church becomes financially stable. It is the people. When the church started in the book of Acts, nobody gave the, the church any money. There was no iPad. There was no... You see, and that is also some of the things that have deceived us. In our time, there are financial institutions where you can get money from. So we resort to them. In those days, it was purely God. You have to, Ananias and Sapphira. We know them. 
They sold their land. Now we hang on to our lands. We are the ones who have backslided. When you get a house, hardly will people give their house lots to you. Rather, the unbelievers outside the church, they are more touched sometimes to give the church land. The people in the church, they came to the church for a land. So, most of the time, God in his providence, because of his servant who is preaching, and has answered the call, he touches unbelievers' heart to provide and give to the church. Hallelujah. Yeah, I told you, our first conference, or maybe the last year, a pastor came. We had our hollow section up. We didn't have the sheet roll. He came. He said, wow. He wrote a check, $100,000. $100, $100,000. He said, I, I want to sow into this church. $100,000. Just like that. God has a way of bringing money into the church. He touches people's life, But he's saying that we should take also gold, silver, and brass. Hallelujah. In Psalm 68, Psalm 68, are you there? Psalm 68. Hey, where are you? Psalm 68. Or is it 86? Something. Uh, Just get it just now. Psalm 68. All right. You can skip that. Not a problem. David was talking about bringing... Uh, offering praise unto the Lord and bringing offerings to him. 68 or 86, one of them. Hallelujah. And so I want to take you through how to improve your offerings in the church. Now, let, let's look at Malachi even before that. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Verse 8. The Bible says that. Will a man rob God? Yet. You have robbed me. Not the church. Not the pastor. You have robbed me. God is saying. And then you say. Wherein have we robbed thee? It's not only in tithe, but it's also in offerings. So the main revenue generating mechanism in the church is tithes, Stacy, and offerings. A pastor must make sure it is your responsibility. And you see, sometimes it's not even the pastor, it is those of you who assist us. You are not strong enough to take offerings. You're afraid. So then people ain't got money. And there's always a higher anointing that can generate more offering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime you bring somebody with a, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a bigger grace, you see that your offering changes. Yeah. I went to Kuru Kuru many years ago. 
was a harvest pastor, um, Craig, from New Testament Church of God in Kurukururu. I was having a harvest um, service and I, I was there. And um, he, he didn't really ask me to um, raise funds or anything, but I felt they were, doing, they were doing a building project. They were standing and all of that. So I felt it was, it was a good thing to, you know, um, help. And how do I help? I'm, I don't have money to bring. I mean, I didn't know that was something like that, so I couldn't have gone with money. But I realized that the church, they could give money. I mean, why can you not give money? By the grace of God, when I was leaving, we had pledges up to a million dollars. Yeah. And, and these things happen because you'll you be in your church. You feel, you're, you're a very nice man. You're a very nice man of God. You feel for the people. Because you know their stories. You know their issues. People are telling you about their challenges. Their How can you go into the pulpit and say, 20,000 offering? You, 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 you are almost a cruel person. <laughs> no. You have to be an executor of the law. God says you should take offering. And so, regardless of people's situations and conditions that you are aware of, you should carry out your mandate as a man of God in receiving and taking offerings from the people. Bible says we are robbing God. Can you believe it? And there are people in the church who are robbing God. And they are robbing God because, or they are robbing God in the area of not giving a tithe and not giving an offering. And if we stop robbing God, you see the money that the church will generate. I'm telling you. The money the church will generate. I mean, because of divine protocol, I can't go into uh, 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 some financial things. But, but by the grace of God, God, God takes care of us. God takes care of us. I'm telling you. It's, it's, we, when we started our building project, a truckload of sand coming here was $15,000. Now it's 25,000. And it's not even a track load because the harbor bridge has reduced the, the, the load you can cross with at a time. So within a space of about four years, the price or the cost of a track, not a track load of sand, a, a, a sand in a, a sand in a truck <laughs> has, has moved from 15,000 to 25,000. Yeah. We used to buy a sling of cement for 45. Now a sling of cement is 76. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Now, if you don't give tithes and offerings, you will indeed rob God. Because what you are going to do is that the capacity of the church to move on, to continue and to advance and to thrive will be taken away from the church in terms of what the church can do with money. And when I'm called to come for a meeting in Ghana, I, I, I have to. I have to go. I have to go. I have to buy a ticket. No, nobody gives free tickets. Do you know a travel agent who gives free tickets? Please tell me. Yeah, we're still looking, right? I say, oh, come to Maldives for a meeting. Plane doesn't come from Ghana to uh, uh, Chedi and say, oh, we're waiting for you. Come and sit inside, we're taking you. No. You have to find money. 
You have to buy a ticket. Yeah. When I was telling the church in Trinidad, I used to be the overseer. Anytime I'm going there, they buy me economic class. I said, it has been 15 years we have been doing this nonsense. Small Caribbean Airlines business class, you can't buy for me to come and preach. I won't come there again if you don't buy me business class. At least business class of America is a little high. We want to save church money, so we won't do that. But over here, so you go up, before you realize you come down, you come by. Nah. So before I, 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 I left, uh, uh, um, was seeing that church. When I go there, I, I go, I go with business class. And the business class is nothing, nothing much. It's just the front part of the plane. <laughs> and, ah! They can't even give you a whole can of fruita. Yeah. You open the fruit and they give you a white plastic cup and they pour it inside. When I sit in the economy, I don't take anything from them all. I feel so insulted. You give it this little uh, is it, uh, it pretzels they call it? Com- communion. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I didn't take it at all. When I sit in career lines and I sit in the economy and then they come and give it a plastic. I can say, okay. No, no, no. I feel, ah, I can buy a case of fruit by the grace of God. I have to come and sit in this, your, 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 your tube or whatever, and you give me a little, it's okay. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. I'm not thirsty. I don't want to even pee, pee too much on, on, in the plane. Hallelujah. How to improve tithes and offerings in the church. How to improve tithes and offerings in the church. Number one. Dedicate enough time during the service for receiving offerings. What we do is that we preach long. In fact, there are many churches, praise and worship, there's no time limit to it. They call it prophetic worship. They sing out until they are tired. Spirit is flowing every Sunday. And then when you take the microphone as a pastor, the the, the people are tired. (laughs) When I came into Guyana, I came, I arrived in Guyana on the 14th of March, 2005. And um, I had to apply for a staying permit. So I had to wait for the approval. I was instructed not to start the church until I was given the permit. So I applied in March. It was not until August that they gave me the permit. So I started the church the 21st of August, 2005. And so between March and August, I'll, every Sunday I'll pick and choose a church to go to. Because I, I wanted to also know how Guyana Churches are done and all of that. And I went to quite a number of them. For many of them, I left the church confused. There was no order in the service. There was no order. I went to a particular church. The pastor said, all the men come forward. And he told some people, prophesy to them. Hey, I'll pray that nobody will come and prophesy to me. 
somebody missed me, so I was, I was saved. When we went back to our seat, I looked for the exit and I beat out. <laughs> Very chaotic. I went to another church. The pastor came to, uh, to came to, he came um, on stage. He opened the book of Galatians and he started from verse 1. And he started reading and preaching and reading and preaching. I didn't know what he was talking about. The only church in that time I went to that I understood the order was Central Assemblies, Reverend John Smith. I could understand prayer, uh, uh, praise and worship, uh, offering uh, a special song, and then preaching, and then prayer, and finish. It was so, it was so straightforward to me. All the other churches, anything happens. There was one particular church, I was there, and I saw everybody standing. And there was nobody, I mean, nobody different on, on, on stage. So I, I, was, I was confused. I was, What's happening? The man of God had entered the, uh, the sanctuary from the back. Somebody holding his, his briefcase in front. So I stood up because I didn't want to disrespect the uh, atmosphere. Hey, the man came straight on stage and started talking. I said, wow. It's also a type of church. <laughs> so you see that we do things, we do a lot of things. The offering time, can I have an offering bag? I feel like, Calvin, what are these people? The offering bags are not even in their positions. Josh, hey, give me one. We, have to, we, normally, we normally put offering bags here. Hey, what's going on? Some small, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, I wish you stay here late in the night. The foxes will come out. Yeah, move around. Yeah, is that not protocol? You are sleeping. Only two days uh, long meetings. You are sleeping already. Yeah. You see that in our churches, we preach, and then the offering time, the ladies or the gentlemen, whoever it is, we take the offering basket. And so, it's time for offering. Maybe if, 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 if you care, you probably quote the scripture. And then they pass the offering bags around. There is no there is no enforcement of take offering. The, the, the law is not enforced. They pass it around. No wonder when they count it's only $5,000. No wonder when they count, it's only 7,420. You have to dedicate enough time. The money is as important as what you are preaching about. If you think about that, you, you, your church will change. Your meetings will change. Don't ever have a meeting that you don't take offering. Don't do that. Every meeting you must take an offering. You can take it or leave it. Did dedicate enough time during the service for receiving offerings. One day the Lord instructed me, we didn't used to do this. He said, put two offering, put, put offering bags on stage. I don't know why he said that, but I, I started doing it. And that's what the guys forgot I was talking about. I don't know what it means, but I did it. It's not even like, well, we are, I'm preaching, somebody comes to put in an offering. You hardly see that, isn't it? But you have them there. I don't know why he said that, but I'm doing it. Dedicate 
enough time during the service for receiving offerings. Number two. From time to time, teach the church about giving. From time to time, teach the church about giving. So it's not just the offering time that you, you, know, you say something about giving you don't. No. From time to time, take a whole month and preach and teach about giving. Preach and teach about giving. From time to time, teach the church about giving. We have a book here. If you don't have it as a pastor, you can get one. Why non-tithing Christians become poor and why and how tithing Christians can become rich. You'll be surprised, man of God. Anytime we preach from this book, for example, tithes go up. When you stop preaching, tithes go down. It's a trend. The reason why economics, statisticians, the worldly people use numbers, GDP, all this what inflation figures and all of that is that numbers speaks. People don't, res- don't respect numbers. Oh, they say it's not the quantity, it's the quality. Your mouth. Not the quality, but the quantity. Would it, wouldn't you prefer $5 million uh, uh, to $5,000? Would you tell them, no, Bishop, I just don't want the quantity, I want the quality. Is that what you mean? The quality is even in the number. It's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. And then you are saying that, oh, numbers are not important. Numbers. I'm very concerned about the empty chairs at the back. I'm concerned about them. It's right staring at me. I can't avoid avoid it. And those chairs must be filled and they will be filled. That's all. It's not about numbers. It's about the quality. What quality are you talking about? Is your church full of angels? I bet if God was to open your eyes, you see that your quality that you think is a quality is no quality at all. Quality at, at, at whose discretion? You or God's discretion? Let us not use words that don't really mean anything. Numbers, the whole book is called Numbers. And God was very, very intentional in giving us numbers from the old, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Numbers, he numbered things. Things were named, things were numbered. 5,000 people were fed, 70 elders, 3,000 people were saved. Five thousand. God mentioned, if numbers were not important, God would, not, God would just go over it. So the number of people who give offerings, number of people who give tithe, it's very important. If you have a church of 200 people and only f- five or 50 of them pay tithe, you, you, somebody's teething something. Something is wrong. An attendance of 200 and only 50 people pay tithe, you are, you are missing on almost 150 people who can potentially be tithe payers, which can increase your, uh, your income, We can make the church do things and, and go to places. It's intentional. It's something you, mu- you must teach on it. You must teach. Time to time, 
talk about it. Don't make money spiritual. Money doesn't drop from heaven. Money is in the pockets of people. You see the bags around? There's money in the bags that are around. And I'm going to take all those money when I finish in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of money in this bag right here. <laughs> Some bags are deep. <laughs> Wide and deep. So you have to preach. You have to teach. You have to be motivated. You have to be inspired. As you are being inspired, the hand is going down. It's going down. It's going down. It's going down. By the time the Holy Ghost touches them, they go and they break out the money. <laughs> we, we had a camp meeting in, uh, in Siloam. Or Siloam. And um, I don't know. It wasn't even offering time. I was praying for. I was praying for the members. And then one lady, the Lord touched her. And she was shouting. She was crying. She was hollering. And at the point she said, where's my bag? I want my bag. <laughs> I want, so now we call her, I want my bag. <laughs> Red bag too. Like the water, water that's bigger. <laughs> the lady, so we had to look for her bag and give it to her. Hey, she, she turned the bag upside down into the offering bowl like that. He emptied it. He did it. Right in the offering bag. I said, God bless you. <laughs> You see, it's like God, the Holy Ghost was lashing her about thiefing. She's been thiefing offerings, offerings, offerings in she bag. All the time she comes to church, she's offering in she bag. She doesn't give it. And the Holy Ghost said, I will teach you who is powerful in this place here, so. Lashing. I want my bag. I want my bag. Got a red bag, turned it upside down, shook it like that, the money falling like that. You take people to Siloam at the back of the airport and they carry a lot of money in their back like that. Hey, pastor, you have to take it before they leave. Oh. <laughs> and I'm sure there are people here who have a lot of money in their bags. Yeah. Number three, we are talking about how to improve tithes and offerings in the church. Number three, show the congregation evidence of judicious use of money. Show the congregation Evidence of judicious use of money. I'm sure you see you see money being used here. Uh, I wish there was some money tree somewhere that we can go and pick. If you see a money tree anywhere, please let me know. <laughs> yeah. The use of money should be shown so that. You know, it's very important. People are motivated by that as well. Number four, flow prophetically when receiving offerings. Flow prophetically when receiving offerings. Flow prophetically when receiving offerings. And this is for head pastors as, as much as you who is assisting. Because you, you, you assist somewhere, you don't bring offerings at all. Because you are the good person. You go to the place, you, you don't want the people to see that the church is, the church is not money, 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 money. So you don't take offerings. So in our church, we take two offerings on a Sunday. First and last. Beginning and the end offering. Because God is the first and the last. So you take an offering in the beginning of the service and then getting 
to the end of service, we take another offering. Why? I can give you two reasons. First reason, many people come in late. So by the time you take the first offering, many people won't be around. So you give them the opportunity to give their offering at the end of the service. No matter what time you take off, if you take offering at the end of the service, some people would have also left. So you have to catch them early and catch them late. And then number two, the Bible says in the Ecclesiastes, in the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not your hand. It means that you should have two opportunities to give. And that's what we use as a doctrine. And you see that two offerings is always better than one. Two is also better than one. Yeah. In the beginning, it's a little difficult because people say, what? We got to give offering again. But don't mind them. Don't mind them. Don't mind them at all. Because a lot of things go around, they can't control it. When they come to the church, they want to come and control the service and what we do. No way. Prophetically flowing when you are taking offerings is to allow yourself as, a, as the head of the church, as assistant, whatever, uh, 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 whoever you are taking the offering. You should allow the spirit of the Lord to motivate you to speak and to lead the people prophetically to give. It is always better. People, people are always, inspiration is better than dry um, offering, receiving. You need some songs, you need some music, you need some singing, and then let the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost speaks. Yeah, sometimes when I'm taking offering, I can feel in my heart, oh, somebody has a hundred U.S. to give. And you'd be surprised that somebody walks out of the congregation and comes to give one hundred U.S. dollars. I just heard it in my spirit and I said it. It's prophetical. It's prophetic. And the person comes and gives it. So, so you have to, you have to, as a vessel of God, you have to open yourself up. During offering taking, not only during preaching. During offering, because you, you, you need money. You need money. You need money. Number five. Take at least two offerings in each service. Take at least two offerings in each service. So that's what I just said. You know, we, we do, we take two offerings. By the time the church grows, people have gotten used to two offerings. Take two offerings. At least two offerings in each service. Sometimes you can even take three, depending on how the spirit leads you. There is no where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is liberty. Who gave this rule that you can only take one offering? Where did it come from? Karen, you know where it came from? That when you go to church, you just give an offering one time and you're gone. Who, who, who instituted that? Who instituted that? The other day we were having a discussion where we were arguing about even this in terms of marriage and the law. We are asking who instituted in the law that you can only marry one woman? When the countries are not Christians anyway. But where, where, did, where did the inspiration come from? Have you thought about it? It must have come from the early Christians who used the Bible to do it. But you ask yourself, it, it's, it's actually a worldwide thing. The Bible says he must be the husband of one wife. 
when you want to be a bishop. But the whole country, nobody, they are not going to be bishops. So why are you giving them a law like that? <laughs> Think about it. Who said that we should take one offering? Since you were born, you saw something and you are programmed to do the same thing and that is taking one offering. Have you thought about taking four offerings? And God doesn't, God, God he moves. The Bible says in the book of Acts that it is in him we move and we live. I think it's Acts chapter 17. It is in him we, we, move, we live and move and have our being setting also of your own poets said. In God we move. We know it. We know that God is a moving God. God doesn't stay in one place. God is always moving. He's always doing things. He's always doing new things. How come we always take one offering? Who told us that? And for how many centuries has this practice been going on? This nonsense must stop. And you see that the society and the world and people don't like changes and new things. And so the, the leader, we didn't have time to go into all, all of that, but you must be a very strong leader, a very hard leader. Otherwise, you can't lead people. You have to be strong. You have to be hard to take two offerings. You have to be hard. You have to fight all the voices you'll be hearing in your head and fight the faces of people that have turned. Not to be a hard leader, like what, what we are doing, sitting for hours. I have to be hard. I have to behave like we are sitting now for only five minutes. Yes. You go for a camp meeting. This is, this is a camp meeting setup. When we go for camp meetings, it's from the morning to the night. We close around 11, 12. By 3 a.m., we are up. We are praying till 6 o'clock. Then you go and bath, and then by seven we start the session again. Anytime we come from camp, you see how people become revived and they become awake spiritually. You have to be a strong leader to take people to the highway for camp and not allow them to bath in the creek. When they have their bathing suit in their bags. Who said we are taking one offering? Who instituted that law? I want to see the person. And so, man of God, don't be, don't be afraid to change things. As the Lord moves you. And, and, he said, and that is how our churches and our ministries don't become better because we get stuck to the old ways of doing things. The world is innovating. Now, WhatsApp says you can share your screen. Oh, you're doing a video call. They've copied from Zoom. You can share your screen doing a WhatsApp video call. Wow. Innovation. Zuckerberg bought a WhatsApp, bought Facebook, and he says if you post something, he can post it to the other platforms. Innovation. And we are in the church since uh, 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 Martin Luther days. One offering. We've been collecting one offering ah, for hundreds of years. The church is not doing well. Then when we need money, we are going to businessmen. That man is a, is a Christian businessman. Let me go and see if he, he would donate. He would donate. You are not a man of God who can generate money from your church. That's why you're going around begging for money. One day, I have a church member who used to work at a, a, one of the paint producing uh, uh, companies. And the, the manager knew her very well in the church she attends. 
And the manager one day told her that, how come I have never seen a letter from your church asking for donation of paint? So she came and she came to tell me. I said, tell your boss he will never see a letter from us begging for paint. We will buy paint. Apparently, the man has a pile of letters on his desk. Churches asking for donation of paint. You see, you're a leader of a church. You can't even buy paint to paint the church. Should you not be removed? Should we not, should we not remove you from being the, the head of the church? You are leading the people into poverty. You are leading them to be beggars. As I tell your boss, we will never, he, he will never see a letter as long as I live. Maybe the next bishop who comes after me, I will never write a letter and ask for paint that costs $6,000 a gallon. <laughs> no. Look at the size of the tile. If you go to Gaffors, if you go to National Hardware, this is 32 inches by 32. It's not less than $3,000. One. You can count. One, two, three, four. And count and multiply. And this is not all. We have an administrative block. All the tiles for the top and the bottom floor is right there in there. We just have to put them on. Calculate it by money. It's not donation. It is not donation. Please, I'm not bragging. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm saying this and I hope that it has been accepted in good faith that there is also the element of generating money from the church God has given to you. That, that's all I'm trying to, I'm trying to say. Yeah. So prophetically flow, you see money will come. Yeah, and take more than one offering. I take two offerings. And when I finish the second offering, I ask people who want to give again to come and give. I only ask. And every day, every Sunday, I can get more than 10, 15 people who come for the third time to give an offering. I don't push people. I don't force people. They, I, don't, I don't pinch them from their chair to get up and come and give offering. They get up by themselves. They come and give. And by that, we're counting our pennies. We're managing the money. Slowly, we are building, we are building, we are building, we are building. As I'm preaching, there's a mason who says he needs money. Today is Saturday, he needs money. I said, I'm, today is a preaching day. Today is no money giving day. <laughs> he was waiting for me yesterday. I, I don't know where I went that he didn't find me. But today I'll hide from him. He don't give money today. <laughs> you got money for money. You don't do money. Today is preaching day. That you will, you'll be surprised how much money you can generate. So take at least two offerings in each service. Number six, teach about tithing. Teach about tithing. Teach about tithing. We have the book right here. You can get the book. I'm sure it's available at the back. 
teach about tithing. Teach about tithing. God seemed to have some things that he doesn't want anybody to touch when it comes to him. Number one is your heart. So you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Number two, he says the tithe is mine. It's not yours. It's not negotiable. It's mine. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. Then number three, he says the glory. The glory. There are three things God doesn't do. The heart, the tithe, and the glory. He says my glory will I not give to another. I'm a jealous God. You can't love me and love something else. You can't can't serve God and mammon. Joshua said, choose ye this day whom you will serve. God doesn't want to compete with anybody about your heart. That's why the first place he comes to when you accept him is is your heart. And the tithe also. It is not negotiable. He says, all and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is is for you? Isaiah Romeo, is it for you? No, it is the Lord's. The glory is the Lord's. Your heart must also be for, for the Lord. So teach about tithing. Tithing is like the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't it? A tenth of your increase is like the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. When you touch it, you see that you can spend extra money on other things, but it's not touchable. God gives you the money at the end of the month. It's like he gave Adam and Eve the garden and he left a tree there. He said, don't touch this tree. God gives you all your money, 120,000, 180,000, 85,000. Inside of the money is a tenth, 8,500. He wants you to understand him and out of your will and your love for him, give him $8,500 or $9,000. If you eat it, you shall die. Because the Bible says you are cursed with a curse. Somebody who is cursed is a, is a completely nowhere going type of person. And curses come upon people who don't pay tithe. Number seven, link tithing with church membership. Link tithing with church membership. So when you see some numbers on your card, you should know where it's coming from. We are linking tithing with church membership. Link tithing with church membership. Church membership, please, is not somebody who got baptized. They are not contributors to the, to the progress of your church. Your progress, 
your contribution is when you give tithe. Make, make it so critical. You see, in political, in the political world, the people who get positions when uh, a party wins an election are people who contribute to the party when they are not in power. Oh, yes. If you don't make those who contribute to your church members, those who you put in water and they say they are saved, those are the real members, you'll be a poor church all the time. You have to link tithing to membership. Members of places, they pay contributions. I am a member of the golf club in Lusignan. It's in the pandemic that I, I didn't mind them again. A year, you pay hundred and something thousand dollars to be a member. It rains all the time. You only have about two, three months where there's sun, you can play golf there. When you raise the whole place, it's a cane field. The whole place has water. So I decided, you know what? This money I pay that I can only pay, play golf two, two months in a year. Me won't go no more. I've not been there for about, about three, four years now. But even as a member of the golf club, over 100000 you pay in a year. It's not free. You want to join the Rotary Club? Old Boys Association of Bishops High School? You contribute. There's no club you are part of that. You are just a, a what? You are what? A, some member, diplomatic member. You don't give no, 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 no. In the church, why are we just entertaining people who don't contribute in tithe as leaders and deacons? You can never be a deacon here if you don't pay tithe. One of our pastors, he left our church. Was it last year or the year before? When he started being funny, I, I asked for the tithe records of all my pastors. And I realized for six months he had not paid tithe. I said, ah, his heart has left the place. <laughs> He's a taxi driver now on the road. Tithe is linked to people's commitment, you know. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus Christ was the one who made that statement, not me. I am executing the mandate of where the direction of people's heart. Elizabeth Augustine. Link membership with tithe. Then you will see how many members you really have. I think it's the East Indians who probably practice this. They will be in the house, a couple of them, and all of them will be working, and they will be giving the money to the head of the house. It moves them forward. You have a set of black people in the house? You have a set of black people in the house? You have a set of black people in the house? <laughs> <laughs> Killing one another. <laughs> you have a set of East Indians in a house, mommy, daddy, three children, four children. All of them are working, and all the money is coming to one pot. Black people, we don't have mommy and daddy. We have mommy and children. You see a church with East Indians, you see families. When people say, oh, Our church is two, 10 families, black people, the church with black people, there's no families. It's children, mother, and children. Or children, father, 
and children. Families is more of the East Indians, predominantly. Predominantly. And you see, when they come, it's husband and wife. The husbands and wife that are here this morning is likely to be an East Indian and not a black person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One day I was praying to God, I said, Lord, I'm tired of seeing black faces. Can you, can you mix up the church for me? I'm happy. I'm, the black faces are a lot. I, but please, can you mix it up? Bring some Chinese into the church. You want to see Chinese on stage speaking in tongues? <laughs> Chinese tongue speaking people. Ah, don't you want Chinese in your church? Ah, it would be nice, pa. And my assistant pastor is Chinese. Not Black Calvin, who is a... <laughs> oh, yeah. It would be nice, pa. It's a country of six races. Why don't you have all the six races in the church, man? That's the kingdom of God. Yeah. Link tithing with membership. It will help your church. Link it. It will help your church. Hallelujah. Establish, number eight, establish real differences between the tithe and every other offering. Establish real differences between the tithe and every other offering. Establish real differences between the tithe and every other offering. Sundays when I get my temporal um, finance report, because every Sunday I get a, a brief a snapshot of finance from the church. I get it every Sunday, and at the end of every month, my administrator will combine everything properly. When I get a snapshot, as a president, as you know, the finance of the country, it's not only dedicated to the finance minister. No, no, no. I am the, I am the president, so I must know. When I get it, you see that offering is always about a quarter of the tithe. You should track it and see. Because it's twenty dollars, it's hundred dollars, one thousand, ten dollars. But a tithe is one time is four thousand, six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand. 10,500. If you have eight people paying tithe, you put it together and you compare it to the 20, the 100, and the 500, you see it's like day and night. A big gap. You see the snapshot, you see that the offering is a quarter of the total, the day's proceedings. Oh, why don't you want to make a difference? So you have to make a clear difference, establish real differences between the tithe Every other offering, even if it's a thanksgiving offering, and, and, and understand also, maybe let me chip that in here. Every other offering means that when you are offering up your child, you must give a thanksgiving offering. I have instituted it here in our church. I'll pray for your child, but you have to give God an offering of thanksgiving. Why is that we only give service to people and they don't, they don't, they don't pay anything? There's nothing, there's nothing like free lunch. We are the ones who have made the church everything into free. There, there are things that we do for free. 
But there are things that people must be taught to appreciate God and to give him an offering. When it's your birthday, you give a birthday offering. Thank you, God, for allowing me to see a new year. You give an offering. That's why we have it here. Establish real differences between the tithe and every other offering. When it comes to tithing, when you look at it, many people should pay more than once a month tithe. Hardly do people get blessed only once a month. Hardly. The God I know is not so wicked. Liz, is it working? The God I know, <laughs> you have the Augustine name now, that's why. <laughs> that nothing was giving you something that (laughs) Augustine has come to take away. (laughs) Maybe it's a breeze on a motorbike. (laughs) Yeah. You give offerings. Make a difference in offerings. So when the finance people are sending the report, you do first offering, second offering, tithe, thanksgiving offering, special offering, and they total it. That's what a treasure, a treasurer's work is to be a bit more advanced. No, no, one figure, tithe. There is not even written anywhere. We use QuickBooks. It's an accounting software called QuickBooks. That's what we use. Every month I get profit and loss account. Send it to my email. And I check expenditure. I check income. All of that. I'm not just preaching. Money is not a spirit. You make money. You manage money. You use money. And you need wisdom, and you need integrity, and you need the Spirit of God to, to handle all of that. And you have to also assess yourself, how much money comes into my church every month? Are we increasing? Is the, is the income rising? Is there, is there inflation? Is the economy getting better? All of that is the pastor's job. Nobody will do it for you. And that's why I'm saying we have a building at the back. It's administration. There's going to be one office that is only going to be dedicated to finance. Even in finance, there are two branches of finance. It is in the gift of government. The book here that uh, uh, Prophet has written. In finance, we distinguish between two branches of finance. So instead of a finance, one big finance office, you have one office called anti-theft office. And then the second branch is anti-fraud. <laughs> no, church is not a joke. It's not, money is not spiritual, though. You'll be surprised how church treasurers steal money. Lady with a nice face, praise the Lord, hallelujah, is putting money in their pocket. Yeah? For a long time, I had not, we have not seen any you know, major error in our system. The other day, my assistant, as a routine, went to the, the, the the space that we keep our offering bags. 
I think he was, there was some smell coming out of there, so he wanted to find out what smell was that. And then he discovered that there was money in an offering bag. I called the treasures and said, this is your last warning. Next time I see money in a bag that has not been accounted for, you are all out. You'll be surprised what happens in the place where they are counting. Judas used to count money. His main job around Jesus was to hold the bag. Think about Judas. I told the people, I said, you will never leave your money anywhere like that. You personally will not leave. I know people when they take the eight, me, when I go and withdraw money from the ATM, if I take a receipt, I don't look at it. I just, I just, I know people who check. <laughs> and somebody told me that when you go to Chinese shop, always, always check. Because Chinese people, they either take your money or they give you mint to take your money. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't look at some things. And so you can easily take money away from me and I wouldn't even notice. But I know there are some people, they take a pen and then they do that. Fine, 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 fine. So to count the church's offering. And then my personal assistant goes into the space and finds money in an offering bag after two weeks or more. Somebody needs to be fired. It's not compassionate. It's not emotional. It is serious business. I stand here and I take offering two, three. So, so you see that when you're a head pastor and the money is completely isolated from you, you will miss a lot of things. You'll be surprised what you discover, Pastor Floyd. You'll be, you'll be surprised if you get yourself involved in the money, the finance part of it. You'll be surprised. Because the people who you have trusted, they have habits and traits that you have not seen yet. Yeah. Find anti-theft, anti-fraud. So you see, God knew that the offering that came that day, God, he, he knows mathematics. It was 4,000. Then we go, we count, we count 3,200. Then we go to the bank and bank and say, oh God, thank you for the offering. God is asking, thank you for the offering. Do you know what is in the bag? Have you, have you had a vision and dream? So that is why we should not spiritualize things because a lot of things in the church is, is, is oversight, is questions, is checking, is control, is assessment, is analyzing. Some of it is spiritual, yes, but a lot of it also is mind, is looking, is asking, is calling. It's like a church member. If you don't call a church member and engage them, they'll never tell you anything. Also, Pastor, God bless you. It was a nice message. I'll see you next week. Husband beating she bad in the house. So, hi, how are you? So, how, what? how's your husband? How long have you been married for? Oh, really? Wow. What's the last time you had sex? You'd be surprised to answer. <laughs> Pastor, do I have to tell you all of that? I want to know. When's the last time? Pastor, I can't even remember. There's, there's a marital problem right there. But you will have to go into it. 
In Ghana, we call it mind your, mind your business. Yeah, yeah. Every pastor must mind people business. That's, that's the pastoral work. If you're, if you're a prophet or if you're, if you're an apostle or whatever, maybe. But if you're a shepherd, you got to take the sheep. You got to take the lambs and care for them and look at them and, and, and fix their leg. And, and it's, it's, it's care. It's care. And if you don't know, you cannot care. And if you don't ask, you wouldn't know. Oh, yeah. It's those who grow up and gravitate towards you, better love you and accept you. They are the ones who come and tell you their problems. There's a set of them, if you don't ask, they won't tell you. Like this guy who mosquito had bitten. His son and his wife. Hey, here. Uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had to ask, what happened to your neck? I said, mosquito bite. If that question had not come, I would never have known that my boy who sleeps in the church, sweeps the church, is even a bass guitarist, had a big, big mama, www.bigmama.com. Have some big breasts he's sucking in the, outside the church. The breast that is bigger than his head. I tell you. <laughs> Drinking fair leaf. Fair leaf. <laughs> Isn't that nice guy? Sweeping, cleaning, playing the bass guitar. How would I know that he has a, a woman who's older than him that he's actually sleeping with? How would I know? Mosquito bite. You go into it, you realize, ah, this is HIV, this is uh, uh, cancer, this is this. Then you have to treat it. You have to diagnose. You have to, you have to bring them into you and, 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 and go into their lives. And that is what the tight system even does. When you have your report, you see that, ah, 25 people pay tight. This is serious. But Sunday, we count 100 people. So what happened to the 75? Jesus said it was 10 people I, I, who came to see me. Where is the nine? One day, my father's mother, my father in the ministry of Bishop Daggett Mills, his mother is a white woman in the in in 80s, lives in Ghana. It's a member of our church. She used to be where... Uh, Bishop Dag used to preach at the Kodesh. She used to be, she's a member there. One Sunday, just by interaction, she mentioned it that, oh, she, she put some foreign currency in her offering bag. Mentioned the amount, just casually. So I think somebody mentioned it to him. So he said, oh, okay, wow. So he, he, Somehow, <laughs> because of knowledge and wisdom and discernment, when they finished counting the offering, he asked somebody to go and check. When the person went to check, there was no record of any foreign currency in the offering. You will be surprised the money God is giving to you that somebody is putting in their pocket. Man of God.
separate, establish real differences between the tithe and every other offering. Number 10. Or number 9. Number 9? 10? 9. Okay. 8? It's 8 for you. <laughs> Calvin is sleeping. Don't worry. <laughs> Although Opportunities for receiving the tithe should be made at every service, the first Sunday of a month, or any other Sunday for that matter, should be set aside as a special Sunday for the receiving of tithes. Although, opportunities for receiving the tithe should be made at every service, the first Sunday of a month should be set aside as a special Sunday for the receiving of tithes. Although opportunities for receiving the tithe should be made at every service, the first Sunday of a month should be set aside as a special Sunday for the receiving of tithes. Now, it's important to kind of fix a day for receiving of tithe, but Every other Sunday, every Sunday also is, is a day to receive in time. But you, you know that people are paid at the end of the month. So most of the time, the best Sunday for a certain emphasis is the first Sunday of the month. And that's what we practice here as well. Every first Sunday of the month is a tithe Sunday. And, and all of that, it, it helps you to see the reaction of the people. And people look forward to tithe. In fact, some people, when I travel, they don't pay tithe until I come back. They don't like my assistant pastor's prayer when they are paying tithe. They like my prayer. <laughs> hey, church members, they are not easy. <laughs> it's God who blesses. It's not a prayer. It's God who blesses. And when you give it, he says you give it back unto you. Amen. So make sure that there's a special Sunday for tithe, receiving of tithe. And the first Sunday is a practical Sunday for such a practice. Number 10 or 11. Having number 9 for you. <laughs> Separate the record of the names or separate the record of the details of church members who pay tithe. And keep it private. Separate the records or the details of church members who pay tithe and keep it private. Tithe paying should be, should be private information. But again, keep a spreadsheet month by month of people who pay tithe. So if I So, in our practice, the first couple of cells has the pastors. So, the names are, you have the columns, isn't it? You have the, 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 the titles. You have name, um, designation, whether it's a pastor or it's a, 
worker is a deacon or an elder. So name, full name, designation. Then you have January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, right up to the end. So anytime the treasurers count the offering and they realize that somebody has paid tithe. And you should always pay tithe with your name or your membership number. We have a system of using membership numbers so that treasurers don't actually know who is paying this tithe. Sometimes you can have people talking. Some husbands are very angry that their wives are giving money to the church. So if your husband has a friend in the church, she can easily go and tell, hey, you know how much money your wife is giving to the church? So it's important to keep some of this information a bit um, private. So you have the names or you have the numbers. Then once they pay the tithe in January, you put the amount there. And you follow through up to the end of the year. So every month, I get a report of those who have paid tithe. And I get a big spreadsheet. And I see, Pastor, Reverend has not paid tithe. It calls for a meeting. Emergency cabinet meeting. A pastor is stealing God's money. Why should he be a pastor? If you come and explain why he should be a pastor and be stealing God's money. So it calls for a meeting, private meeting. And I find out why. Is there a problem? Is there a challenge? What's happening? Are you still working? Did you lose your job but you didn't tell me? You know, there's so many things to find out. Or you just stole the money. And then you have a meeting, you conclude it, and then it, it, ends very, it must end positive so that that habit is not repeated. And I do that for pastors, for deacons, for elders, for whoever, up to church members. If I don't see your tithe one month, two months, I'll, I'll call you for a meeting. Meeting is not only to come and pray and cast devils out of you. Meeting is also to make sure that you bring money, you bring the tithe. It's not only prayer. Pastor, I need prayer. Can I come and see you? Oh, Pastor, I have not paid my tithe. Can you, can you cast out the devil from me? That's also a type of meeting. <laughs> Separate the records of the details of church members who pay uh, tithe and keep, them pri- and keep it private. Keep it private. Am I helping you? As church management. Very, very, very important. 